You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, the home for those looking for expertise, and inspiration for all things Western Big Game Hunting. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number three. How's it going, everybody? Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. Today, I am excited because we are talking with Garrett Rowe of Heads Up Decoy, and we dive into a little bit of everything. We talk about kind of the Heads Up Decoy product itself, and the background, the story, um, but really what we're focusing on today is whitetail deer hunting. And I know what you're thinking, <laughs> Adam, this is supposed to be a Western-focused podcast, and now you're coming out with a whitetail episode, but <laughs> I promise you, um, you know, we, we talk more than just about whitetails. It's really geared around the strategy of how you approach um, certain scenarios and and we dive into different tactics and and how you use them and what's really cool about this and and how I apply it from myself as more of a midwest midwestern whitetail hunter you know I grew up hunting from the tree stands and never really hunting from the ground ever so you know I've been using heads up decoy for the last couple of years and it's really just opened my eyes it's, it's changed the way I've approached hunting, especially in the West when you're dealing with open country and, and lots of vast terrain. And it's just something, another tool that you have in the chamber. Um, there's not one right way to use it. There's not a wrong way to use it. You can get fun and, and, and get creative. So we're talking all things strategy, uh, very whitetail focused, but you know, it really can help you with your future hunts whether it's to the West and, and, and not necessarily whitetails either. It could be, you know, getting comfortable on the ground. So you're ready to hunt when you go chase elk or pronghorn or mule deer, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. So without further ado, let's welcome Garrett Rowe of Heads Up Decoy. All right, on the line with us now, we have Garrett Rowe of Heads Up Decoy. How are you doing today, Garrett? Good, Adam. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Can't complain. Can't complain. 
I appreciate you being on the show again. Uh, looking forward to talking with you. Uh, today we're going to talk a lot about what I really wanted to dive into is whitetail spot and stock and, and, and strategy of, of using your decoys. But, uh, you know, and, and really why I wanted to dive into that is because when I moved out to the West and I started hunting kind of the more open states like Kansas and Eastern Colorado, it really just opened my eyes to, you know, this landscape. And I thought, man, a decoy would be so great to have. And, and what a valuable tool, especially in open country and areas where you just can't hunt out of a tree stand. So, um, so I'm really excited to talk about it and, and, and dive into the background of, of heads up decoy and, and where it all started. But, um, before we get into that, I, I know you've had uh, a good season so far with, with, uh, antelope. How did, how did that all go? Uh, went pretty good actually. Uh, and you know, Adam, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. Um, you know, it's, it's an honor and, and, you know, hopefully some people will, uh, you know, get interested in heads up decoy uh, and, you know, and can put it in kind of their toolbox, you know, it certainly can be a, a really good option for some people. Um, you know, my, my antelope tag, I kind of, uh, I'd been getting points in, in Wyoming for several years and I decided that this was the year that I needed to kind of, you know, do some things with my antelope decoy and, uh, get some, you know, some promotional, more promotional material and have a good hunt. And a friend of mine that lives up there had incidentally uh, had drawn the same unit the year before. So he basically knew where to, where, what I needed to do and when I needed to come. And so it, that all worked really, really well. And, and I actually went before the rut. And so I went over Labor Day weekend and, and he and his friends, we're having all kinds of, you know, really good charges and decoying action in August in Wyoming. <clears throat> so, you know, I was, I was excited to try, you know, some of the early season. And then if I tagged out early, I, there was a chance I might, you know, try to do an elk hunt. Um, and so I went over, over Labor Day weekend and, you know, it was, a, it's a good, it was a good unit, uh, tons and tons and tons of antelope. I could have shot 30 of them from the road, honestly, but I, it's just not my style. And, uh, so we, we would get out we had a plenty of opportunities, blew a bunch of them, but every day I, I would get a shot every day. Um, you know, and for, for me, antelope is a, you know, if you can get an antelope to 60 yards, I think you're doing something with a decoy or spot and stock. And I had, you know, I had shots at 50. I had shots. The one I ended up uh, getting, I shot at 45. And then I had a, and then I had a, a, another one where that I missed that he was 40 at first, but he never turned. And then his doe kind of got jumpy and kind of bounced him a little bit. And I had a 60 yard shot at him. So, you know, we had some really good, uh, what I would consider to be good encounters with the decoy, even in the early season. And, and, uh, it was nice to, to kind of check something like that off the list. It was a lot of fun. So now I didn't go elk hunting, but you know, it's no big deal. I had plenty to do around here. And, uh, so now I'm looking forward to deer season. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Antelope is definitely on the list for me in the coming years. And, and I look forward to crossing that off and, and, and doing that. Um, but it sounds like you had a great year. So that's, that's cool. Um, 
And, and I know you've been whitetail hunting too. How's that going so far? Well, um, it's been slow. Uh, our weather has been warm, uh, about the time when it's really good. Um, I'm not able to go. Um, <laughs> my son, he, who's nine plays football. So he's, and I help coach with that. So, um, it's Saturday games and three nights a week for practice. And so the whitetail thing has been slow, which is fine. Um, uh, the weather hasn't been that great. And, uh, but although it's starting to shape up, uh, probably this week and, you know, when we're talking, it's starting to, you know, finally feel a little bit more like fall. So it's been slow, but, uh, you know, the trail cameras, there's more daylight pictures now on, on trail cameras, the crops are coming out of the field. Uh, so the deer are going to be on the move. They're going to be, you know, scattered all over the place now. I mean, it's, you know, they're going to be rutting here soon. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and when this podcast actually launched, when people are, when everyone's listening to this, it's going to be about peak rut middle of November. So I, I think we're going to cover some good ground and, and kind of see how this story unfolds. And, and before we kind of, as I mentioned earlier, I really want to get into whitetails and, and, and strategy behind using the decoy and, and how you go, go about doing that. But let's, let's talk a little bit about Heads Up Decoy itself, describe the product and, and really how it all got started. Sure. Um, so back in 2000, well, back in the early 2000s, uh, I went on an elk hunt for the first time and, you know, it wasn't a Primo's the truth video. I mean, it was dark timber. You couldn't see anything. There weren't elk behind every tree. And, and, and so elk hunting, I got like a, a, a dose of reality on the elk hunting and went a few years after that. And I was like, man, this is, this, it's tough. Um, it's not open meadow, you know, some of the stuff I was hunting in, in Colorado anyway, it's like, there's no, um, there's, it, it's dense, dark timber. And at the time, you know, I was thinking, well, what could I take in case I, you know, this all goes down, that's going to help me, you know, draw a bull in. And yeah. I just knew at the time that I wasn't going to, I, that the, the products that were out there were fine. I just knew after a couple of days, two or three days, you know, you're down to knife and water and weapon, essentially, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, gearing down and covering ground and trying to find the animals. So because I knew the timber was so dark or, you know, the potential for that, you in dark timber is just, you know, you're, you never see, you know, the entire animal half the time, even when they're way up, you know, even when you're seeing, you know, watching them do their thing. So I was like, you know, you just need a head for this. Just all you need is just, you know, a partial body. And so that's kind of what got that whole thing going. And it was, so it was the elk decoy that I started with first. And, and, and I wanted something lightweight that you could carry every day, whether you used it or not. And so they weigh less than a pound. I personally believe I've, I've been using them obviously since 2008. Uh, they're, they're very durable. They look realistic and, uh, and, you know, and they're lightweight, just like I said, so, and they respond to movement, you know, so they are mm -hmm. handheld so you can get the attention. You can provide movement, uh, to get the attention of a bull or whatever else it is that you're, um, you're trying to, you know, decoy. And then it, it then it went into the mule deer and the mule deer doe decoy 
was our second or third decoy that I, and I knew it was going to be a slam dunk out here in Kansas. And it's been, it's been phenomenal decoy. There's been some incredible stories of people, you know, drawn in mule deer from, you know, that are literally dots in the distance to, you know, point blank range with it. And just some other really cool experiences that, you know, didn't necessarily result in a, in a, in a kill, but just, you know, really neat things with the mule deer decoy and, and then the antelope decoy was just kind of, well, you know, it's antelope and antelope hunting and decoying kind of go hand in hand sometimes. And so we threw in the antelope decoy and we kind of rolled with that for a few years. And then I got into the whitetails, um, whitetail doe, uh, was the next one that came out. And then it was kind of hard for me to figure out how to attach antlers to the, to a decoy. And I knew I didn't there was a way I knew what I didn't want. And one day I was, I was sitting in the middle of a Milo field, ironically enough, a cut or uncut Milo field, uh, trying to put the sneak on some whitetails with my whitetail doe. And I was like, you know, I just, it kind of came upon me how to, how to do it, how to get the antlers to attach to the decoy. So I made the whitetail buck decoy back in 2010. And, you know, our decoys at that point, you know, we were starting to get, uh, an inventory or a catalog of how to use the product. And in the initial thought was you hide behind something and you hold it out and, and you provide movement, get the attention of the, of a animal. And you kind of morphed into a bow mountable decoy and, uh, and a standalone. We have a clamp that you can clamp, you know, the handle slides into this clamp and you can fix it to an object um, or you can use it in this bow mount and all the decoys work in the, those types of things. But, um, I severely underestimated the effectiveness of the product. And, the, and when we started saying, screw it, it just might work. We really opened the book to just like a whole new different brand of bow hunting. That's, um, that's been, you know, a game changer for people that live out here and, and, and difficult for people to comprehend, honestly, because the philosophy of bow hunting is not to be seen and detected. And now with our decoys, the object is to be seen. And, and some of the tactics that we've used are really, you know, are just like are really aggressive tactics that, and, and are oftentimes in the middle of nowhere where, you typically don't hunt and, or where it's extremely difficult to get close to deer and we're shooting them with our top pin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes with, sometimes with two guys, one guy holding the decoy and the other guy behind him shooting. And I mean, when I mean behind, like in the hip pocket. So it's been, it's been a, uh, it's been a, it's been a wild ride, honestly, uh, of, and I got a, I got a handful of people that I can, that I need to, you know, that I can thank for helping me, you know, be aggressive because the idea of, you know, I walked up onto a mule deer buck and doe in 2009 with the decoy when I first came out with the bow mount with the mule deer doe mounted in the bow mount in a cut Milo field. There was nothing around. There was, there wasn't a, there wasn't a tree within two miles where we were at and uh i just he wouldn't come his doe wouldn't allow him to come over and check us out and 
after about three or four hours, I just, they already accepted me as a doe as one of them. And so I just kept creeping in on them. They'd put their heads down and I'd take three or four or five steps at them. They'd look up, I'd squat down and then we got it all on video. And, and that's kind of when the whole game changed. I was like, okay, we can really do some stuff now. Yeah. And the rest is history. And so, and then when I came up with the whitetail buck decoy, that was a whole new venture as well. And that's been the funnest of, in my opinion, of all the decoys we have. It's, it's using that whitetail buck. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and listening to your kind of story there and how it all came to be, um, you know, a takeaway from that was kind of like how you, when you changed your thinking and mindset of how you approach the hunt is kind of when, when it all clicked. And I, and I, I experienced the same thing. Like, so we had, I had talked with you, let's see, that would have been like the summer of 2015. I reached out to you and I was like, man, these decoys are awesome. Uh I really can't wait to use them. I, I used it that, that fall in Kansas, but I didn't really, I didn't really, I was kind of under that same mindset as a, a Midwest whitetail hunter, like be, you know, be in cover and, and don't make a lot of movement. And I really didn't see that much success with it. But last year when I was in hunting in Eastern Colorado, I kind of took the mindset, like you said, screw it. I'm going after him. And I ended up getting a shot on a, uh, a really nice, I think he was a nine point. I missed him. <laughs> I, I didn't close, uh-huh. but like, it was that moment where I was like, wow, this, there's something here. This is valuable. I had no cover and I just went after him with the buck decoy and he came right in. So that, that's really correct. Cool. Yeah. And I, I, I argue all the time with some of the guys that um, use my product and that I've known for years. Um, you know, my turkey decoy is really ridiculous as well. Um, the elk decoy is the most popular, okay, because of the fact that it's lightweight and, and you know, and it's an elk decoy and, that's, and, and it helps people call in calling setups. And, but in my, you know, if you were to tell me, lay them out all on the table and tell me which one is, works the best. I would probably pick up my whitetail buck decoy. And because there are situations out there, Adam, that are, there's not a lot of slam dunks in, in bow hunting, but there's a couple that with this decoy, you are almost guaranteed a shot at close range with it. And, well, and, and it, so, and, and we pull off your, crazy stuff. It, so, yeah, and it adds to potential shot opportunities because you can pull a shot out of nowhere. Uh, a lot of people are used to just sitting yeah. in a tree stand or waiting for one to come by, but and and you might have one or two opportunities a year doing that. But this essentially opens up a whole another realm of of shot opportunities and chances to actually make it happen. You bet, and and that's what I tell. That's what I've said. No, there was a few years ago. I was like, I was kind of tossing out words like you know it creates opportunities when opportunity doesn't seem likely and and that's the god-awful truth i mean you we've done i mean the buck that i shot in 2010 when it kind of started all this stuff he was in a cut milo field it was a drought stricken milo field you could see pheasants running in this milo field it was so pathetic and he was bedded up on this hill and we had and we got down 
wind of him and he was looking into the wind and we were able to sneak into about 80 yards and we one grunt he stood up and looked at us and I shot him coming at less than 20 yards and again no tree around wow yeah and, and I, I, one I've of seen the coolest video. experiences that was I mean you talk about adrenaline rush like no other and that was in 2010 so it's I still get the adrenaline rush um the the buck I shot last year was a cool story and and you know so now I know what to look for and you know as far as our open country stuff you know our open country stuff it's a pretty easy it's a pretty easy game uh with it um you know but there are other other ways that I use it, I, I rattle a lot. It, you know, I'll sneak up into hidey holes during the middle of the day um, or, you know, potential bedding areas, thickets when I don't have one actually located. And we'll grunt and rattle and do all kinds of stuff with the decoy up. And a lot of times with a partner, and we've had great success doing that. So um, it's a decoy that you use every, every well, as soon as it's sh- shooting light. You know, and that's the cool thing about it is you can use it all day. And I'm by and large a weekend hunter, Adam, just kind of like you. You know, you take a few trips here and there, but you try to get out as much as you can, but it's not nearly enough. Um, and you got to make the most of your opportunities. And sometimes it's really crappy days. Sometimes it's perfect days. Uh, and our decoys work in both that, you know, but yeah. when Mother Nature's not very nice. So. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, let's let's take a step back here. Can you can you use these decoys for for whitetail, whether it's the doe or the buck? Can you use these during an early season scenario, or is this more of a yes, kind of middle yeah. of the rut type of decoy? I mean, obviously, it works best in the rut during the rut. Okay, but I've used them. I've I use the doe decoy a lot to drag does by me to, to shoot does, um, you know, fill your antlerless tags. And, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, in mid October, early to mid October, bucks generally are not really moving a lot anyway. Uh, there's always seems to be one or two days when all of a sudden every buck in the whole area is on their feet in October, but it's just like one day. But, and then, you know, then once, you start getting into that late October or first of November, then obviously they're on their feet. And then it's my experience is, is that the doe is better during the early season and then the late season. Um, does don't generally like decoys in general. So they, they'll foil more, the more hunts, a, a, a live doe will mess up more hunts and, uh, than, than, than they do. That's why I enjoy shooting them. Um, but, uh, the buck seems to be, you know, the, during the rut seems to kind of be the key. So, you know, we're still trying to refine a few things in the, uh, in the early season, but you know, it's, it's hard to get out and get all pumped up and jacked up when it's 85 degrees, <laughs> you know, when, True. It's, you know, it's first of October or whatever. So, yeah, I hear you there. Yeah. I hear you there. Standing crops would probably be your best bet. You know, the decoys in standing crops like Milo and maybe uh, whatever else that's out there, uh, you know, working adjacent to pull them out of there. That's that that 
there's some value right there. So certainly, certainly, and 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 describe that like. So have you ever used it to kind of still hunt through crops or still hunt an area? You have a bow mount, correct? Like you can either hold it with uh-huh, yes. with your hand or let's say you have a buddy with you, he can hold it. But you also have a bow mount, so you can kind of still hunt and work through those areas, correct? You can. Um, generally what I do with the Milo fields is um, I'll try to find some pockets where there's where it's lower, and then I'll just sit there. I'll clamp it to a Milo head, um, and then I just try to pull them into it where I can get a shot. Um, but I, I do basically race at them when they're on the move um it's just off it's just really hard to get a shot in you know when the milo's four feet tall so you've got to pick and choose you got to pull them out of there somehow or you got to get them up on a terrace you know where they're on the side of a terrace and and the milo's beneath them a little bit and exposes their their vitals so you know there's some trickery and you know my october seem to be much more busy now so it's harder for me to go out there and try to refine that to help people out. But I just, I know that that's kind of the, I know that a friend of mine, that's, that's how he uses a decoy is to pull them out of it, you know, or to head them off. So, yeah. Got it. Got it. Now let's, let's talk about a scenario here, I guess. Well, let's say, let's ask you, like, what, what is your favorite scenario? What do you look for to, uh, in a certain setup to use a decoy the most effectively? Is it something where a buck is bedded with a doe and you're, you're going to sneak in on them? Or is it somewhere where you're just kind of using it to call one to you? What's your favorite and what's your strategy behind, um, you know, your most effective way to get it done? Um, well, let me first, excuse me, Adam. Let me first tell you, about the whitetail buck decoy. Um, when I first designed it, and we get some criticism, um, but we nailed it. Um, we wanted a decoy that was threatening. So we didn't, we didn't design some little yearling buck. What is a, a yearling buck is far, they're an annoyance. They're not a threat. Got it. So if you've never seen our whitetail buck decoy, it's it's a big, it's big, okay? It's a big eight-pointer. And so it, it, it poses a threat. And when we designed it, our philosophy was we need to be threatening. And, and then on a, on a side note, our kind of a, uh, a gravy, you might say, was we don't have a stamp to like etch really cool graphics on on the foam antler, and so they're white, and people are going to look at it, and go, "Man, this, that's that's janky." <laughs> but the reality of it is, is that that white antler it's visible can be seen from a long way away. Yeah. So it's actually been more productive to have it a white, really bright, than to have it, you know, 
less visible and more realistic, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, it looks realistic. Anyway, I guarantee you, if you set this thing up on it and clamp it up and you're sitting there and then all of a sudden you start thinking about stuff and then you look back, you're going to like, you're going to, your heart's going to jump <laughs> because it does look real. And so, so that is the deal with the, with the whitetail decoy. Okay. The buck. So it's big and it's easily seen. Uh, the antlers are detachable. So if you're a little worried that maybe you're going to be too intimidated for a buck, you can pull off one of the antlers and be a one antler buck. Um, but my go to the best absolute near slam dunk way to use the decoy is when bucks are in the lockdown. Everybody, tree stand hunters, despise the lockdown. They didn't see anything. I can guarantee you that stuff's going on. It's just maybe you didn't have a hot doe in the area you were you chose to hunt that day. Uh, but they, this the term the lockdown. You know, I think there's lock. They lock them down all the time. They, they find a doe in heat. They push her out an isolator, and basically the the quote unquote lockdown, where they sit and wait for her to come into season, breed her, and then move on. And that is when when a doe when you have a buck and a doe pair on a midwestern whitetail, you've almost guaranteed yourself a shot opportunity if you can get inside of 180 60 yards pop up that decoy grunt at him and then he's going to be threatened because whitetails whitetail bucks will stop i mean they take every opportunity they can during the rut to demonstrate their dominance when given the opportunity they do it and so if you've watched from a tree stand, how many times have you watched a bigger buck escort a smaller buck out of the, out of the area and then go back to his doe? You've probably seen it a, a bunch of times. Well, that's what you're doing now. You're finding that you found that buck and you found that doe. You're sneaking in, trying to get as close as you can, pop the decoy up, grunt at him, snort wheeze, whatever it takes to get him on his feet to see that decoy he is going to get pissed off. He's going to pin his ears back. And I don't think they ever look at you at that point. I think they're, they're too busy trying to look as big as they possibly can. And you can draw, take your time. The only thing that's going to stop him is the arrow. It's, it's the coolest thing. I mean, it's, it's a, an incredible experience. And that is my number one that's my number one go-to technique on a whitetail. Yeah, yeah. And you and you mentioned the lockdown. I, the property I was hunting last year in eastern Colorado, it's 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 really this large section of open CRP grass, and you literally you can't see a deer unless it it stands up or unless it's a buck, and you can see the just the tips of his antlers. And um, right, you know, I I enjoyed that phase too. It was like mid November, late November. And they're all just kind of in this grass and, and, and you can see them moving in there when they stand up and, you know, the buck will stand up with the doe and then they'll bed back down. Well, 
for this type of decoy, that's that's really what you want. You go around, uh, I'd get the wind in my favor, and then I'd just slowly move there. I did exactly kind of around that scenario where you get to a certain point within 100 yards, you throw it up, he catch he he caught that thing, looked right at it, and and came in on a string. It was it was truly amazing. So uh, that it's it's a blast, right? It is. It is. It's it's extremely effective. I'm I, I can't even describe how well that technique works. Um, on where it doesn't work is where is when you have. <clears throat> a dominant buck with a doe and a satellite buck. That's where it gets frustrating. So if you have a close, if you have a satellite buck in close proximity, he's not going to leave the doe. So you've got to, you, it's your job to get inside the bubble. So, um, and it's a little more difficult to do. You've got a buck that wants to come and kick your butt, but not leave his doe. And then you've got somebody that if he gets too far away, is going to run her off. And, and so you've got to be careful. You, um, to really get the full deal, full meal deal. I mean, we we sneak up on him at that point when you've got a, a buck and a doe and then a satellite buck, you, you've got to, you've got to move in on him because he's not going to leave her. He's not going to get farther than 20 yards from her. Got it. Um, but if, if you, um, uh, if you've presented the decoy and they've acknowledged you as a whitetail buck, then it's easier for you to move in. Um, so, but that's kind of one of those things where it's a little more frustrating, but when you just have them paired up like one on one, that's when it's, that's when you get your real that's when you get the real, the full meal deal there. Now, yeah. another scenario that works, I think equally as well is on a cruising buck. So, um, you've got a mature buck that's cruising, looking for a doe. Um, I, I personally believe this is just my belief that they use their vision as much as they use their, uh, anything during the rut. I mean, they're obviously they're using their nose and their ears, everything they're using their senses are on high gear, but their vision, I think is, is really, uh, they really kick it up a notch. I think during that time, because they're looking for movement. I've, I've been in yucca patches and pastures and I've just shifted my weight and unbeknownst to me, you know, a little buck, you know, little bucks will be eyeballing and looking for movement. They see it and they just come over to investigate. And, and that's how, you know, you get a big buck or a mature buck cruising, looking for a doe and you've got this big buck decoy. They assume you've got a doe and they will turn around and they're going to come and check you out. And again, a white, a Midwestern whitetail is urged to display his dominance. He cannot help himself. And so you've got, so those are really good uh, scenarios in my opinion, the lockdown and then just trying to intercept bucks, you know, have it out there, let them see it from a long ways away. Make sure it's really visible. And they see those antlers. They see that buck. They, they often assume that he's got a doe somewhere. And so they're going to turn around or do whatever. They're going to come in and key on in on you and try to steal that doe. That's just 
those are really the two um that's when you can pull them in from a long ways and those are the those are the best ones the my top two my third is to use calling and rattling strategies when you got nothing you know when you when, when you you're don't not when you don't anything, see one you don't yeah 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 when you haven't seen one and you're just like man Action's kind of slow today. You know, you just didn't have good timing, I guess. Um, or pick the wrong spot. You just start diving into places and clamp to a tree or whatever and, and start rattling and grunting and, and and then hold on because you might be, you know, right where that buck, right where a buck is. And, again, they show or they, they see those antlers and they, they just can't help themselves. I'm... I'm going to come over there and I'm going to kick you. I'm going to get in the action too. I'm going to kick your butt. <laughs> so yeah. that is, it's just, that's how it is. I mean, that's, that's the, uh, that, those are probably the three best ways to use it. And, you know, the third way you can use that anywhere in the nation, you know, and Adam, I know you're not from Colorado originally, but I can almost guarantee you, you probably know places where my, my decoy would really be effective in some of the places where you grew up For that sure. maybe you didn't really necessarily think were quote unquote, you may see deer out there, but you've always considered it to be unhuntable. And now we've taken a piece of property, nearly, nearly every piece of property, unless it's serious, just hard pan, you know, Buffalo grass, one inch tall, you know, um, if you've got just a little bit of cover and some topography, you can hunt any square inch of your property. Yeah. And yeah. with, with these decoys, cause you're, it's, it's fun. And we just, we just, uh, you know, we hunt aggressive. That's another, that's, that's the cool thing about it is it's not, it's the antithesis of whitetail hunting, you know, it's like undetected, you know, wash down, you know, marinade and anti, you know odor you know uh soap and stuff like that for a week before you you know it's nothing like that it's like all right which way is the wind blowing okay i'm not i'm hunting in this direction and then i don't really care i'm making a ruckus and i'm i'm going after him it's running gun kind of like running gun turkey hunting except yeah. you're doing it with whitetails yeah yeah that's a great way to look at it yeah and, and i find myself the same way i mean growing up in michigan i just never I never hunted from the ground. I, I never got out of the tree stand. Uh, very rarely did I ever sit on the ground, especially with a bow. And and when mm-hmm. I started started using the decoy, I found myself being timid, and um, I felt like I wasn't being aggressive yeah. enough. Is that something? Is that a mistake you see a lot of people make? Is just not going after that opportunity right away when it presents itself, and kind of sitting back. Uh, uh, yes, I see the two. I see the opposite. I see. I see both ends of the spectrum, and I deal with it all the time myself, trying to determine how aggressive to be. Mm-hmm. Being that aggressive, because you're like, man, I just this is ridiculous. This is working so well, you know. Um, and now I'm just really confident. And so that's bad because I get too aggressive sometimes and I get a little careless, but yes, being not aggressive enough is probably the pitfall of a lot of people. Um, I don't know how many times I've left the truck telling myself or telling my hunting partner, we're either going to kill him or scare him. (laughs) 
you know, we're either going to, we're either going to get on top of this dude and we're going to make this happen or we're going to scare the hide right off of him because we just were too aggressive. Um, and then, you know, then I hear people that take it too far where, you know, uh, I was walking in the pro shop one day and this guy was using, that was using the, was using the buck decoy was really frustrated. He goes, man, I can't get this thing to work every time Doe keeps busting us. Well, what they were doing is they were showing the decoy from 200 yards out and just basically motoring right in. And the doe was looking at him, getting nervous, and and then she'd take off, and then the buck would go too. And that's not how you do it. Um, do you think? Do you think a lot of that is is re- learning to read the body language, like if he's posturing or if he's with a doe or if he's cruising? Do, do you kind of use that to kind of gauge your approach? Um, no, I really I don't. Um, when I I just assume that. Um, if they've got, if it's a buck and a doe pair, my approach is not to show the decoy until I'm as close as I can, but not too close. Yeah. You don't want to take them all by surprise. Okay. If the cover allows, you know, yeah, you get to 30 or whatever. Uh, but if it's a hundred, it's a hundred. If it's 60, it's 60. You, you don't show the decoy until you're as close as you can to get to him. Um, you can't, if you're showing the decoy when you're two or 300 yards out there, and they're watching you do all this stuff coming. It just doesn't work that well because, um, you've not given them any time to process what's going on there. They like, um, like on the mule deer that I shot in 2009, that doe and buck, it's, watched was watching me and just the decoy only for an hour or two so they had are so there i there i was a mule deer doe which is why i was able to walk in on him and so you've got to allow them if that's your only option you've got to allow them some time sit there and think about, Oh, that's a white tail buck. I'm going to keep my eye on him, but you know, and then let them just kind of chill and then move in slow. Got it. Uh, just going gangs buster at him, you know, like, okay, if you're five minutes from last shooting light, that's different. But you know, if you've got plenty of time, then take your time. Because eventually you're going to trigger a response, either a fight or flight response. You just don't want to blow your stock, you know, before it ever starts, really. And so, you know, you've got to use your you got to use your head um, and think about what you've seen in the field. What you see in the field is you see these bucks going, these little guys going in and out and harassing these big bucks with the doe, and you watch the big bucks get up and escort them out of there, and then they go back to their doe. That's what you are except you're much more threatening um, and a much more threatening gets a better, more dominant response from the buck. And, and that's when you get those, I'm coming to kick your butt and you shoot them at like point blank. Um, and some people say, well, it's too big. It's too big. I, this isn't how's what's going to happen when I show a two and a half year old. Well, over time, Adam, you know, a two and a half year old buck, over the course of the rut is going to eventually get shy. 
he's going to start saying, you know, I've got my buck kicked a few times. So I think I'm going to just kind of, I'm going to come and check him out, but I don't think I'm going to come all the way in like I'm a big badass. But earlier in November, I've decoyed spikes into inside of 10 yards, um, posturing in to the buck decoy. And I'm like, are you serious? You're like, I think you really think that you're going to beat me up, you know? So that's just the whitetail, uh, animals, you know, or Midwestern whitetails attitude. They just all think they're all that. So, you know, you, you, you'll decoy in all shapes and sizes. And I've got an article coming out or had an article out in Bowhunter and, and if you're willing to just, and you're not picky, you know, you can set up adjacent to a really good food source and just show the decoy, um, during the rut and man, you, you'll get all kinds of stuff to come in. I mean, all kinds of bucks it's, and it's, and it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think the cool, the whole, the coolest thing about all this is that you can just be creative with it. There's not, there's not one scenario. Yeah. Works. There's, there's not one time of year. Right. There's not a right or wrong way to use it. It's just, it's a whole different world of whitetail hunting or, or any hunting, whether it's mule deer or elk or pronghorn, getting on the ground eye level with these animals and, and having them come to you or you go to them is a completely different ball game. So I just think it's really cool that it's, you get to be creative. You get to take chances. You're going to mess up. It's not all going to go perfect. I'm sure, I'm sure you've, you know, had years of, uh, you know, experience and, and you, and you learn and, and you kind of adjust and try it a little bit differently next time. I, I just think it's cool. Yeah. Plenty of options and, and you can get creative. That is, that, that is t- correct for sure. Um, you know, somebody had, had referenced, uh, you know, kind of a couple of tips that having a basic idea of behavior, what they're doing, what the, and then be, having some basic stocking, uh, skills and that's all you need. And then you start learning from there, um, uh, because you've got to uh, figure out where they're at in the rut or what they need, what there is, what is their desire? Uh, and then, and that goes with every one of the decoys, whether it's the elk or the antelope or the mule deer or the turkey, what's going to, tr- what do they want to see? What do they need to see to get the type of reaction that you want, which is to come and investigate you. And, you know, and so being able to recognize those things and understand, okay, we've got what we're, I know what this buck wants, what he's doing, what he's needing. And then you go ahead and you provide it for him. And the next thing you know, you're decoying in a mule deer buck from 500 yards away. Yeah. You see a mule deer buck and you know, he's cruising. He's looking, he does not have, he has no option right now. He's looking for love and you take that dough and you present him a girlfriend, and the next thing you know, he's standing 10 yards from you. Yeah, yeah. And then the whitetail is, to me, is all about aggression. It's pissing them off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and one thing, too, I mean, that's... So, I obviously elk hunt now that I live in Colorado and, and, and that's all for me. That's some people hunting from tree stands, but that's all on the ground, 
you know, calling them in, getting mm-hmm. aggressive, you know, a lot of being mobile. And I tell you what, like when I first started hunting Kansas, when I first started using your decoy, it really prepared me for hunting elk and, and, and just being in the West more because I had never, again, I'd never experienced that before in my whole, you know, 26 years of experience when I first started hunting the West and, 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 and hunting from the ground. So if, if, you know, for somebody who hasn't yet taken a trip to the West or whatever, starting with this decoy, maybe starting on your own property, whether it's in Michigan or whatever, and just trying it out because it right. will, it will give you the confidence and, and it will prepare you for these Western hunts where a lot of it takes place on the ground. Yeah. And a byproduct of hunting on the ground, Adam, you and I know this, but we don't necessarily think about it. It's not in our general, it's not in our vernacular, I guess, to maybe bring this up when you're talking about spot and stock, but you shoot much more accurate from the ground and there's so many more shot opportunities from the ground. Um, your distance can, you can extend your distance a little bit. Now, I don't shoot crazy distances. I mean, I'm a 40 and in guy. Um, antelope is different. Okay. Antelope is just a different animal. 60s close on an antelope. <laughs> um, but by and large, I'm a 40 yard and in guy. And it's hard to shoot from a tree stand at 40 yards. You know, and your shot angles are so much better on the ground. You know, you're so, you know, people you know, you don't have a good tree stand if you couldn't hunt the place from the ground either. You know, you've got a, you know, like if you've got a place for a tree stand and you're playing wind, you know, it's, it's also got to be a good, it also probably be a good spot to hunt on the ground. And, and so, and when you're mobile, obviously you can move around and manipulate this and kind of in a way dictate what you want to go on. And, and so, and I found that I'm, I'm a way better shot and I get way more shot opportunities when I hunt from the ground than when I'm stuck in a tree stand waiting for something to come to me. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. And, and did I lose you? No, no, still here. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree. And, and hunting from a tree stand, you can be confined. Okay. You can be confined to that. I mean, you're on a small platform. Um, like you said, there's not a lot of options there and, and, and you got to pick and choose on the ground. You can move, you can be more, more mobile. You, you can swing the left, swing, right, uh, get around a tree, uh, whatever. So it, it just, again, it just opens up a ton of opportunities. For sure. So we could talk yep. about this all day, Garrett, and, uh, I know I've kept you here for a while and we'll definitely have to have you back on the show at some point, maybe we can dive into elk tactics or, you know, other species, You bet. uh, kind of, you know, when we get yeah. to where the season comes around and, and a little bit more appropriate there, but I really wanted to focus on whitetails for this. Cause it's, you know, we're going to be right snack, smack dab in the middle of the rut. But, uh, before we go, right. What, uh, I've been following the stuff on social media. I think you have a Facebook group now. Um, tell us what's going on with the, I think you came out with a new website recently. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with Heads Up Decoy. Where can we find you? Where can we go? Yeah, headsupdecoy.com. Uh, we got a new up, new and improved website. We, it's much more functional than our last one. I love it. Um, 
It's got some uh, great stories uh, in our testimonials, some tips. Uh, I think the products are well represented on the on the website to show people how to use them. Uh, they're not. There's no one way to use them, and I, I hope people find that in. You know, and, and I think that's the beauty about it is it's very versatile. It's, it can adapt to different scenarios or different hunting tactics. You don't have to be mobile necessarily with my 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 decoys, but it certainly is the fun aspect of how to use them. And then obviously we have Facebook and Instagram and uh, we have a newsletter. I call it the revolution because it is a new revolution. It's different. It's just totally different bow hunting. It's the antithesis of what you've been fed for years about bow hunting. And so uh, we have a newsletter. I would suggest people sign up. We try to, we don't inundate people with them, but sometimes we have some cool promotional stuff and then some tips and some good stories and, um, you know, and we try to make it as relevant as possible. Uh, so we're not wasting your time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I subscribe to that as well. It's great. I, I get those emails delivered to my inbox and, you know, it just inspires me. I see that and I see a story of a big mule deer shot or, um, you know, tips and tactics of what's, what's working and, and, and how people are getting it done in the field. So it's cool to see that, what people are out there doing with it. So if you get a chance get over to heads up decoy and subscribe to that. You won't be disappointed. I promise you. Yeah. Thanks Adam. Appreciate yeah. it, man. Hey Garrett. Yeah. I appreciate you being on the show. You have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you later. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. And there we are just wrapped up an episode with Garrett Rowe, heads up decoy. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I think the biggest takeaway from this entire episode of talking with Garrett is just, Get creative, have fun, take chances, and go for it. And and if you are interested in you know learning how to approach hunting from the ground, I think a decoy like Garrett's something that's portable, lightweight, and and mobile, it can be a valuable tool for your upcoming season. So get out there, try it. Make sure you check out headsupdecoy.com. They do have a great newsletter, like I said. Get on their website, subscribe to that. It's packed with information and and you're seeing success stories and, and learning from the guys and, and gals that are out there already doing it and getting it done. So um, hats off to Garrett. Appreciate him for being on the show. If you're listening to this, I want to hear from you. Send me your photos. Tag me in your posts. I want to see what's going on. Hopefully you're having some, some success out there. It's the middle of the rut. So if you're hunting whitetails, um, you know, I hope you're hope you're having lots of fun that's really what matters and if you're out there doing a a late season elk hunt or mule deer send me your photos Uh, go to transitionwild.com fill out the contact form i'd love to hear from you give me some feedback if you're liking what you're hearing leave a five-star review on the sportsman's nation podcast network and subscribe hit that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode you'll have my podcast along with the DIY Sportsman's Land and Legacy and the Nine Finger Chronicles delivered right to your phone. And uh, you'll get those on a weekly basis. So subscribe, leave us a review. Sincerely appreciated. And that's it. Let's wrap this up. Hope you, again, are having a great day and we'll look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon.